Welcome to the Simple Church Podcast, where we're committed to helping you know God, find freedom, discover your purpose, and make a difference. Let's get to today's message. Hey, what's up, everybody? My name is Aaron DeLong. I'm the lead pastor here at Simple Church. I want to say thank you so much for being with us today. Special shout out to those of you that are in our online campus, those of you that are watching by Facebook, and those of you that are even just listening to us through the podcast. We're glad that you're tuning in today. You are part of our family here at Simple Church, and we love you so much. Uh, Today, we are going to continue in our series on King Solomon. But before we do, I just want to take a moment to pastor us a little bit. Last weekend, we had a gathering that was uh, in person at the Marcus Cinema, and uh, we were celebrating eight years as a church, and man, we had an incredible time. A lot of fun was had, prizes uh, given away, and some goodies at the end. It was so great to see everybody. My heart, I left there full, but a bit exhausted as well. And I just want to take a moment to answer a question that that seems to be repeated, and uh, and so it, 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 it is worth answering in this format. Is And that question was, why is Pastor Aaron up on the big screen and worship is up on the big screen? Uh, it, why are we gathering and doing it like that? So here's the answer to the question. For us to take everything that we're doing, which is worship, uh, me preaching a live message, taking all that we do uh, on a Sunday morning and having it there live, that would be an awesome and an incredible experience. And I know it's what we all long for and desire is that live experience. But in this environment, we're still producing worship. We're still producing a message that all gets aired online. And right now in the environment we have, meaning there at the Marcus, we do not have a place in space where we can live broadcast, uh, not as of yet anyway. We don't have the the means to do production, to do a live worship set. And so uh, even if I were to preach live and we had a way to, to live broadcast, we would still do worship that way. What we would need in order to produce uh, worship online and a message online and to still be able to do all of that live is about 20 to 30 more hours a week for my staff members. And we just don't have that. So right now, what we're doing is making sure that we are providing for everyone by having content that can go online, but can also be shared there in the movie theaters and we can still gather together. Because remember, as as awesome as I know the preaching is on Sunday morning, and as much as we all love singing together, one of the greatest gifts that we have in gathering is each other. And so I would just encourage you to uh, rally around that, that man, this is not exactly the format that we're, that we want. This is not exactly how we want to have service on a Sunday morning, but we get to see everybody. So just be encouraged. Know that, that as we patiently endure and continue to love one another, continue to serve, to do all that we're doing as a church, I believe that God will bless us and know that we are definitely on the hunt for our next building and are looking for that. So I uh, just want to pastor you a little bit, encourage your heart and let you know why we're doing what we're doing. Amen, everybody. Let's, let's uh, just celebrate and thank God for what we do have, not what we don't have. That's where I would love for us to land as a church. So, all right. Well, we're talking about Solomon in this series and uh, there's a theme verse we've been looking at. It's found in 1 Kings chapter 10, 23 through 24, and it describes why Solomon is important for us to look at. It says this, King Solomon was greater in riches and wisdom than all the other kings of the earth. The whole world sought audience with Solomon to hear the wisdom that God had put in his heart. So Solomon is somebody that we can look to, somebody that that did some incredible things and he did them all in the name of God. And so uh, it, this this becomes a person that is that was like, um, a big character throughout history, right? 
And so uh, in the first week, we talked about Solomon, who was given this opportunity, and he was the untested king. He had no experience. In fact, his dad, David, introduced him as a, a newbie and called him even soft. And that's how he described him uh, and said, hey, everybody, we're going to have to work with him. We're going to have to help him. But he is the new king. And so we talked about that journey for him and, and him becoming the king. And then the second week, we talked about how Solomon did the best thing he ever could have done. God appeared to him in a dream and said, I'll give you whatever you want. And Solomon didn't request riches. He didn't request fame. What he requested from God, he asked for wisdom. He said, give me wisdom so that I can lead your people. And so God not only gave him wisdom, but he said, as a result, because you've asked for the best thing, I'm going to give you everything else, uh, fame, riches. I'm going to give it all to you. And uh, as a result, Solomon has had this great legacy uh, that, that he was planning. And he did some incredible works. And, uh, and so we talked about how do we go about getting wisdom and, and discuss the importance of wisdom. If you missed either one of those, they're available for you online. Uh, you can catch those. Please watch them today. We're going to talk about how Solomon went about accomplishing what God called him to do. Because here's the deal. When Solomon stepped into being king, not only do you have a responsibility to lead people uh, as, a, as their king, but to lead them in all aspects of their lives, Solomon actually had a commission, and that was to build the temple. See, long before they were ever in the promised land, the Israelites wandered through the desert, and God was in a tabernacle. It was a tent, right? And uh, and so the, the, the very first king they ever had was King Saul, and King Saul did not establish a temple. And then David took over, and David was was Solomon's father. And David had a heart to build God a temple, but because he was a man of war, God said, no, you're not going to build the temple the son that you're going to have, he wasn't even born yet. He's like, the son you're going to have, his name's going to be Solomon, and he's going to be the one to build the temple. So this is hanging over Solomon's new role, and it's this massive project. And Solomon accomplishes it all wisely through the power of relationships. So here's our guiding thought for the day, and here's my encouragement. Students, those of you that are that are still in high school, those of you that are entering into college, or maybe you're wrapping up college, maybe you're a parent and you're here today, you're married, or maybe you're single, or really everyone, listen up. The relationships you sustain will determine the legacy you retain. I'll say that again. The relationships you sustain will determine the legacy you retain. You know, they say that the people you surround yourself with are the ones that are shaping your life and that the average of your five closest friends is what you actually look like. That means that in your marriage, in your finances, in your parenting, that you are reflecting the average of your five closest friends, those that are influencing your thought life, the influencing your decision making. And here's the truth. You'll struggle to excel the relationships that you surround yourself with. It matters. Relationships impact your thought and they create environments in which your life is going to flourish, right? There's this funny joke about these, these five guys. Uh, they were really, really best of friends and they were all in this class in college together. And uh, the exam was on Monday, but instead of preparing for it, they all felt really prepared for it. So they went out and they partied. They spent the entire weekend partying and they partied so hard that they slept through the exam on Monday morning. But they all made a plan and they came to the professor and said, hey, this is what happened. We were actually out this weekend serving at a retirement community, loving on some people. And on our way back, uh, we got a flat tire. Can we have an opportunity to make up the exam to take it, to, to actually take it? And so the professor said, that's fine. Absolutely no problem. And he said, I'm going to put the five of you in different rooms. 
uh, to take your test. And so they all agreed, thought that was just fine. And, uh, and they get to the test and they're taking the first question and it's, you know, it's something that was basic right off the syllabus. They knew the answer to it and that was what the front page was. And that was worth five points. And the back page though, when you flip it over, there was only one question and the professor asked this question was, which tire was flat? So you, you can see, <laughs> your life is being shaped by the five closest friends that you have. And, uh, and it's really, really important that you decide that those five people not be knuckleheads uh, that you're out partying over and lie, making, making a decision to lie to people over. So anyway, so today what we're going to do is look at Solomon's life. We're going to see how one relationship in particular catapulted him along the path of his destiny to accomplish what God had called him to do. And then we're also going to look at the end of Solomon's life because Solomon made a decision somewhere along the way to be reckless about who he surrounded himself with. And that decision to do that cost him greatly. So I'm going to show you the impact of relationships, good and bad. And first I want to start off with the relationship for Solomon that, that started with his dad, uh, David. This is the main character, the main influencer, the friend that that Solomon had that helped him accomplish so much. It was also his dad's friend and his name was Hiram. He was a king and we find his story uh, and David's story actually picks up in 2 Samuel uh, chapter 5, verse 11 to 12. It says this, then King Hiram of Tyre sent messengers to David, which again, Solomon's dad, along with cedar timbers and carpenters and stonemasons and they built David a palace. And David realized that the Lord had confirmed him as king over Israel and had blessed his kingdom for the sake of his people, Israel. So here's what happens is David becomes king and he's not really certain about his government. He's not really certain about his kingship as whether or not it is solidified all across Israel because Israel for a time had been divided, right? And so now David is not certain, certain of his kingship and his role. And what happens is, is that Hiram honors him. Another king honors him and, and starts giving him all kinds of stuff. They create this relationship and David has this aha moment. It's, it's this aha mo moment that, that he finds, I have favor with this other king. And what it did for David was that he realized that God was confirming his role as king. So much so that this other king decided to honor him and send him gifts and, and, and let him find favor. And so that, that solidifies in David's heart that God had put him there. So, so the first thing we see in, in the right relationships, and we see that the right, right relationships do, is that the right relationships will affirm your calling. Uh, the people that you surround your, yourself with should see and be able to affirm God's calling on your life. In other words, who is around us will either push us toward what God has for us or keep us from it. And so you got to ask yourself the question, am I surrounded by the people that I need in my life to do what God has called me to do? And, and the people who will affirm you in your life are, are going to say, yes, that, that we can see what God is doing in your life. Yes, we can see that God has called you to do this. Yes, to the, to the goals that you have set. They're going to be people who say yes to it. They're going to be the encouragers. They're going to be the ones that say, yeah, I believe in you. Too many of us are surrounded by people who are critics and naysayers. They're people who say, well, you can't do that. You can't sit here. Or, or there's no way that that can be done. They, what they deposit into your life is, is disbelief. And, and it's rather a detraction from our calling, not a contribution to it. 
you know, for me, I knew that I was that I, I had I was affirmed to be in ministry at a young age. I felt and sensed God's calling in my life. And my youth pastor, uh, Micah Pelkey, who's the pastor of uh, Storyside Church up in Mansfield, Ohio. It's a very, very, uh, it's a fast growing church, very successful, wonderful ministry that they're doing there. When I was younger, he was my youth pastor and I shared with him God's call on my life. And he affirmed that and said, yeah, Aaron, I can absolutely see that in you. And he gave me a reminder of it. It's a book that I go back to often. And I read the inscription that he gave me, encouraging me to pursue the anointing that God had on my life for ministry. Even in the calling to plant this church, I sensed God was calling me to plant this church. My pastor, Conan Stevens, affirmed that calling in my life. I felt a calling to run for city council back in 2017. And, and, and there's, there was a person that came along. His name is Dan Skinner, who, who just kind of appeared in my life and, and loved me and served me and partnered with me. But the thing he did the most for me and the best for me was affirm that calling to, to step out and run for council, even though I had no idea what he was doing. Each part of these callings in my life, that when God put a call on my life, each came with someone to affirm that calling. And now my life is spent making a difference because of those who affirm that calling. They came along and they pushed me further. And here's the truth, and here's what I really believe in my heart, is that each and every single one of you, God has something for you too. He's got a calling that is on your life. And I'm not sure what that might be. There's certainly a calling to serve and love one another within the body of Christ. But there may be a calling that is beyond just the four walls of Simple Church. And you know that that we will support that. You know that I believe that whatever God has put in your heart and in in, in, in giving you a dream to do, man, I'm here to affirm that in you no matter what. No, no matter how big it is or no, how seeming, no matter how seemingly small it may feel to you, I need to let you know that I believe in you. I will be your cheerleader. In fact, one of my friends, his name's Jason, he tells me, he says, Aaron, he said, you're one of my most encouraging friends. And he's right. I will encourage you to boldly and, and, and in a crazy way to have crazy faith and follow God. But here's the other thing. If you need relationships If you need people surrounding you that are going to affirm that in you, that are going to believe in you, let me tell you the best thing you can do here at Simple Church is join a grow group. Man, grow groups are launching June 6th. The groups are open right now. You can register for them. This season, uh, they're usually 13 weeks long. This season's only six weeks long. Would love for you to join in. And here's why. Because you're going to find people who will believe in and affirm God's calling on your life. Second thing that right relationships do for us is that right relationships assist your vision. See, what happens is, is you'll get a calling and you, when you respond to that calling, there's a vision that comes to you that helps you understand how all of it will unfold. And Solomon had this calling to build the temple for God since David couldn't do it because David, David definitely had a dream to do it. Um, but, but Solomon's relationship with Hiram is what played such a massive role in that. Check it out. Second Chronicles chapter two, verses one through 16. So a bit of scripture, but stick with me here. Says Solomon decided to build a temple to honor the name of the Lord and also a royal palace for himself. So he's building God a home and he's building himself a home. And he enlisted a force of 70,000 laborers, 80,000 men to quarry stone in the hill country and 3,600 foremen. Solomon also sent this message to King Hiram at Tyre. Send me cedar logs as you did for my father, David, when he was building his palace. I'm about to build a temple to honor the name of the Lord, my God. 
He says, send me a master craftsman. Also send me cedar, cedar, send me cypress, red sandalwood logs from Lebanon, for I know that your men are without equal at cutting timber in Lebanon. I will send my men to help them. And in payment for your woodcutters, which by the way, it's important that we understand that, that even though this is a friend, that, that stuff costs stuff, like all this stuff he's asking for, there's a cost to it. And I, I love that Solomon wisely addresses that and realize I'm not asking you to do all this for free, right? I think too oftentimes, especially in the Christian world, we find somebody else that's Christian and we go, well, you, you, you need another write-off. You need another, another at-bat. You need another opportunity. You know, what I'll do is, is if you do this for me for free, I'll go online and tell everybody about you. And it's like, yeah, you know, but but will that pay the bills? Does that pay for the, the thing that I'm giving you? And any, anyway, I'm just trying to say stuff costs stuff. It's not all free. And, and Solomon wisely knows that. And he says, I'll send my men to help in payment. I'll give you 100,000 bushels of crushed wheat, 100,000 bushels of barley, 110,000 gallons of wine, and 110,000 gallons of olive oil. He knew nothing was free. And so he, he didn't just take from Hiram. He knew that it, it takes a give and take. And I, and I love that. Verse 11, he said, King Hiram sent this letter of reply to Solomon. It's because the Lord loves his people that he's made you their king. Praise the Lord, the God of Israel who made the heavens and the earth. He has given King David a wise son, gifted with skill and understanding, who will build a temple for the Lord and a royal palace for himself. Verse 13, I'm sending you a master craftsman named Haram Abi who is extremely talented. He is skillful at making things from gold, silver, bronze, and iron, and he'll also, he also works with stone and wood. He can work with purple, blue, and scarlet cloth and fine linen. He's also an engraver and can follow any design given to him. He'll work with your craftsmen and those appointed by my Lord David, your father. We will cut whatever timber you need from Lebanon mountains and we'll float the logs and rafts down the coast of the Mediterranean Sea to Joppa. From there, you can transport the logs to Jerusalem. So here's what's going on. Solomon builds this big temple and it, he gets the credit for it. And, and he was supposed to build it, right? It's the legacy that David left him. But understand this, Solomon gets the credit for it, but David, David is the one who made the plans for the temple. David is also the one who bought the land for the temple. David is also the one who spent his entire kingship gathering the money to pay for the temple to be built. Hiram, Hiram comes along and provides all of the supplies for the temple. And he provides all of the skilled laborers to get the job done. And, and Solomon's like, I got guys that'll help you, but your dudes are the ones. Send me master craftsmen, send me people that know what they're doing. So Hiram provides him all that. And, and in the end, Solomon gets all the credit. Listen to me, when God gives you a dream and a calling, it's always gonna be bigger than you. In fact, I would say that, that whatever it is that God gives you to do, you're not going to be able to do it alone. If you can, then it's not really a God thing. It's not really a God-sized dream. It's not really a God-sized calling. And here's why God does that. God does what he does through people, not just an individual. He's always been about this people group. And so we have a responsibility to look for strategic relationships that will make us better. Uh, for me, when I planted Simple Church, uh, there, there were others that wrote the how-to books. Like I read lots of them. There were others that led conferences to talk about how they did it and how they were successful. And I went to them. And when it came to what Simple Church was going to look like and, and how we were going to you know, even begin to advertise and reach the community. Well, I had Derek Smith. Derek designed and produced everything. In fact, 
everything that you love about the way that Simple Church looks, and I mean like from the way that this studio looks to the way our website looks, everything graphic, everything you can put your hands on that represents Simple Church or that you can see that is outside of its people itself, Derek made it. <laughs> and I couldn't do that by myself. In fact, as I was reading this passage and we were describing Haram Abi, uh, which was the, the master craftsman from Hiram. I just kept thinking of Derek. I'm like, yeah, Derek does all this kind of stuff too. I, we would be lost without him. God gave us him. When it comes to us being connected in the community, you know, Kyle was our outreach director and connected us with every major connection we have in the community. Uh, when we launched, my wife loved on and cared for the kids in the kids ministry. April Oates provided us a building and a place where, where we could actually have church. Like, yeah, I know that Simple Church, I'm the pastor and I tend to get the credit, but I couldn't have done all that we've done over the last eight years on my own. In fact, I couldn't do any of that. I, I, I might have been able to figure out how to stand on the corner on a, on a, on a bucket and preach. Um, but, but I wouldn't have been able to do all of this. I needed all the people that God has brought around me. I needed my friends. I needed my relationships. So, so what about you? You know, my question to you is how much more could you accomplish in life? How much more of your calling, how much bigger of an impact could you make if you had the right people in your life? Because the right relationships will assist your vision. The third thing that the right relationships do is they address your shortcomings. Like what that means is that they're going to call you out on your mess. They're going to call you out on your stuff. Back to first Kings chapter nine, verse 10 through 13 says this. It took Solomon 20 years to build the Lord's temple and his own royal palace. And at the end of that time, he gave 20 towns in the land of Galilee to King Hiram of Tyre. Now, Hiram had previously provided all the cypress and all the cedar timber and the gold that Solomon had requested. But when Hiram came from Tyre to see the town Solomon had given him, he was not pleased at all with them. He said, what kind of towns are these, my brother? So Hiram called that area Kabul, which means worthless, as it is still known today. So what did Hiram do? He, he calls out Solomon. He's like, bro, you're a bad gift giver. Like, I gave you all of this stuff. I gave you, gave you money. I gave you gold. I gave you cedar. I gave you master craftsmen. And you give me these trashy little towns that, that are just not worth anything. They are worthless. He's like, bro, you're so smart, but you're also so dumb if you think that this is okay. It was a bad deal. And Hiram called him out on it. He shed light on a blind spot that Solomon had. And, and if we're all being honest, we need that in our lives. We need people that are willing to speak truth to the areas that we are weak in. We need people to say, hey, bro, you know, you're, you're really talking aggressive to your spouse. You probably shouldn't talk to her that way. Or, or you know what? Hey, you're always late for the meetings and, and it, it communicates that you don't care and is sending the wrong image to the rest of your team members. Or, you know, your kids might respond if you do this or if you maybe you should try saying something this way. Or, you know, if you're unaware of it, uh, you've got resting Grinch face, which, you know, you've, you've got a face that just kind of communicates you're angry all the time. And you should just kind of be aware of how your face is. Like, we need people to speak to us. We need people to, to, to speak to our blind spots. You know, I, we do, do annual reviews here at the church and we do something called a peer review. And it, it might be a little scary to do that because there's a comment section under the, 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 I believe it's 13 different areas that we review one another. And, People give comments to each other to kind of help, to kind of identify some of the blind spots. Here's a few of the comments that I got, and yep, I'm going to tell them to you, and they don't make me look good, but they're honest. First one says, Aaron at times can be dismissive of others' ideas if they're not in line with his. Or verbal and physical responses can come off harsh 
or defensive. He has improved though. <laughs> Thankful for that, that little last part of it. Uh, another one said, Aaron, he's got great listening skills in particular to coaching. He can turn defensive if the conversation is not headed down a path the way he thinks it should. Now, my initial response to getting feedback like that, somebody speaking into my blind spots is that's not true. No way. But on, if I was honest with myself and I have been really honest with myself, I let all those comments sink in and, and I humbled myself and I listened because no matter whether their feelings are real because I've done something that really upset them or hurt them or whether they're perceived. The fact of the matter is I have work to do. And as a result of getting this kind of feedback from them, I am better for it. I know it's hard to be thankful for those people in your life, but a real friend will make you better by calling you out on your shortcomings. Hot tip, by the way, if uh, you're the person that's in that relationship with someone and you've got some, uh, some, well, some feedback to give, uh, I, if you, and you're the one doing the call out, calling out, um, here's the hot tip on how you do that. Ask permission first. I always ask permission. Hey, can I be honest with you about something? And if they say yes, it opens the doorway and you can give that kind of feedback. You can be that kind of friend that helps them uh, get better by, by helping them work on their shortcomings. I know that's a tough one, but that's definitely a benefit. And the last thing the right relationships in your life do is that the right relationships alter your potential. The right relationships will increase the potential of what you can do with your life. Um, a lot of us are, are limited because we live lives of isolation. We live lives of I'm better by myself. There's, there's pain on the other side of relationships, or maybe you've got some baggage and, and, and you kind of tend to push people away. But what you do when you push people away is you limit your potential. You may actually even be squandering your potential due to having some of the wrong relationships in your life. So some of you push people away. Others of you allow the wrong people in your relationship. And as a result, you're, you're losing your potential. Solomon, in his environment, he flourished because of the right relationships he had uh, in his life. In fact, in 1 Kings chapter 9, verses 26 through 28, it says, King Solomon also built a fleet of ships at Ezion Geber, a port near Elath in the land of Edom. Try to say all that five times fast. Along the shore of the Red Sea. Now, here's what you need to know why that's important that, that it's there is that the, the Israelites, uh, they, they were initially farmers. Like they came into the promised land herding cattle. That's what they did. That's what they knew how to do. Uh, and, then, and then when they, they came into um, the promised land, they became farmers. And that's, that's what they kind of stuck to was cattle and farm farming. Well, Solomon here is branching out. He's being an entrepreneur and he's branching out into a whole new area. He's going out and, he, and he's, he's putting ships on the, on the sea. And here's what, what happened. Hiram sent experienced crews of sailors to sail the ships with Solomon's men. They sailed to Ophir and brought back to Solomon some 16 tons of gold. So the Israelites had never forayed into this world of shipping and receiving and, and exporting, importing. They hadn't done that. And so, so Hiram comes along and expands Solomon's potential because he's like, okay, if you're going to get into this business, I'm very familiar with it and I'll send you my guys and they'll help you. They expanded Solomon's potential to grow wealth and influence as well. And, uh, and because they had lots of experience in the area. And so Solomon becomes this entrepreneur, begins sailing, and he leans on his relationship with Hiram because, you know, it's not really easy to figure out a new venture on your own. You got to have a business plan. You got to understand your target market. You got to 
find vendors, you gotta locate your customers and how to reach them. There's lots to figure out. And Hiram had all that experience and so he helped Solomon. And the amount of money was some 16 tons of gold. Well today, and in today's money, that's about $456 million. And Solomon was bringing in that much money every three years. That's a really nice side hustle if you ask me. Uh, I would take that in fact. Uh, but but Sol- my point is, is that Solomon went further faster his potential expanded because he had no potential in the shipping environment. He would have had to develop it. It would have taken way longer for him to get to a place where he was bringing in $456 million. It would have taken years, maybe even decades to even break into the market because of Hiram's influence in his life. He went further faster. He surpassed Hiram in wealth and riches. That's why uh, if you continue reading on in chapter 10, verses 23 and 24, which are our key verses for this, that King Solomon was greater in riches and wisdom than all the kings of the world. He got credit for being, for being so wise and for being wealthier because of the people he surrounded himself with. The whole world sought an audience with Solomon to hear the wisdom God had put in his heart. So Solomon has success and he has this influence because of the people that he's brought around him that he's surrounded himself with. But at some point in his life, things begin to shift for Solomon. And they shifted according to an old prophecy that we find in Deuteronomy 31, verses 20, verse 20. It says, this is, this is about the people of Israel. It says, when I brought them into the land flowing with milk and honey, that was the promised land, the land I promised on oath to their forefathers. And when they eat their fill and thrive, which this would be the time of Solomon's ruling, right? This is Solomon's kingdom. They're settled into the land. The king is thriving. They're making all kinds of money. The temple is built. Solomon is famous and people from all over the world are coming there. They're thriving. It says, when they eat their fill and thrive, they will turn to other gods and worship them, rejecting me and breaking my covenant. Well, you got to wonder how could that happen? How could you as a king encounter God in multiple environments, like actually have God speak to you? and experience blessing, experience fame, have wealth, have success. How could he know that that its source for all of that was God? And yet, according to this uh, prophecy that was in place, how could he still fall away? The answer is simple. It's found in relationships. Because remember, the relationships you sustain will determine the legacy you retain. The people you surround yourself with matter. And Solomon... Solomon did not listen to wise counsel when it came to that. In fact, in 1 Kings 11, verse 1, it says, Now King Solomon loved many foreign women. That means he was passionate about them, but it's talking about uh, a sexual passion, right? Solomon Solomon had that in him, and also his his dad did as well, and it was the thing that tripped up Solomon. It's the thing that tripped up David, uh, a passion for women, and he loved all these many foreign women. And besides Pharaoh's daughter, he married women from Moab, Ammon, Edom, Sidon, and from among the Hittites. So the first thing that wrong relationships do is that wrong relationships will prey on your passion. Um, You know, we all have unhealthy desires in us. And there is this unknown number of people who are ready to prey on those passions. They are ready to do and to participate in those unhealthy desires with you. They will, they will pull it out of you. They're, they're the ones that are going to be like, come on, let's go. They're going to tempt you. They're the ones that are going to invite you to try this, to smoke that, to drink this. Let's go there. Let's do this. They're going to tempt you away from God's best for your life. They'll pull you 
in the direction of those unhealthy desires. And those unhealthy desires are resident within you. And when you've got people that are calling you and inviting you, telling you it's no big deal, it is really easy to step across a line and begin living out a life that is not designed for you. It's, it's called missing the mark or what is known, the Bible plainly calls it sin. So verse two of that same chapter, it says, the Lord had clearly instructed the people of Israel, you must not marry them. So, so, so Solomon's out marrying a bunch of women from all over the place, but clearly there was a directive of the Lord to not do that. He said, you must not marry them because there's a reason they will turn your hearts to their gods. Yet Solomon insisted on loving them anyway. Solomon just wouldn't listen about uh, it, to, to godly counsel about who he surrounded himself with, who he chose to love. And he began justifying. And of course, once you begin justifying, that's you just establishing a pathway for sin to be in your life, right? And th that pathway typically looks like us first saying, well, I want it. I want it. We keep looking at it. We keep going back to it and desire grows within us. I want it. And then we start telling ourselves, well, look what I've accomplished. I'm a good person. I love God. I, I've done really good things. Don't I deserve a treat? We say, I want it. I deserve it. And then when it comes down to the consequences of it, or maybe maybe that the, the bad experiences other people have had, or maybe we read in the Bible that warns us against that temptation or against that sin or against that lifestyle, we tell ourselves, I can handle it. I want it. I deserve it. I can handle it. Because if it makes me happy, it can't be that bad. And maybe this has happened to everybody else, but it's not going to happen to me. But you know what? Your life is not just about you. You know, people are watching you. They're being influenced by you and your decisions. And when you justify sin, you also lead others astray. And so the wrong relationships, well, they'll prey on your passions. They'll lead you away from what God has for your life. And they'll lead you into leading other people away as well. First Kings 11, verse three through four goes on to talk about Solomon and these women that he loved and the women that he married. It says, he had 700 wives of royal birth. Now, we're not just talking about 700 ordinary women, 700 wives of royal birth. They were all born in a castle somewhere, and he married 700 of them, right? And which, by the way, having any more than one wife is just a recipe for disaster. Like, I love my wife, but I could not imagine having two of her, let alone 700 of her. 700 wives. 300 concubines. And the, the verse goes on and says, and in fact, they did turn his heart away from the Lord. In Solomon's old age, they turned his heart to worship other gods instead of being completely faithful to the Lord, his God, as his father, David, had been. And so we see that the wrong relationships, not only will they prey on your passions, but they'll pull you from your purpose. Solomon's purpose was to build the temple and, and he's building this place where God could be experienced. People could come and they could worship. They can encounter his spirit. They could hear the word being preached. They could come and offer sacrifices. Like, like this was a place for them to encounter God. He built that. He did that. But along the way, somewhere, he allowed the wrong people in, started marrying these girls from these foreign places. He indulged in his passions entangled himself in the wrong relationships and it pulled him from his purpose. Because as king, Solomon not only had a responsibility to build this temple, but he also had a responsibility to lead people to worship God and to worship God 
alone. And he married all of these women who led him to worship all the other lowercase g gods and the God of the Israel people who, who had named himself Yahweh, right? So Solomon here is, is missing the mark and he's pulled from his purpose all because of the relationships. The problem for him though, is that they were justifying their behaviors along the way. See, Solomon was still worshiping Yahweh, who was, came to be known to, by the Israelites as the God of war, a God of power. But there was these other gods, lowercase g gods. They were false gods, but they were the gods of, of, of different countries. And, and there were gods of fertilities and gods of the season and the blessings. And, and, and they were justifying their behavior by saying, well, we're still worshiping Yahweh. We're just worshiping them too. And, and the problem is, is, is that Exodus 34, 14 tells us, do not worship any other God for the Lord whose name is jealous is a jealous God, right? Even in, in the 10 commandments that God gave us, he's, you, you're not going to have any other God before me. That means that God must be number one. He, he won't play second fiddle to anyone. Solomon didn't abandon God, but God wasn't number one anymore. Solomon's passions were number one. The problem again is that God doesn't play number two or any other position in our lives. By the very nature of who he is, God must be number one. And verse five of chapter 11 says, Solomon worshiped Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Sidonians, and Moloch, the detestable god of the Ammonites. And so what happens and we find that what's happened to Solomon, what ha will happen to us is that the wrong relationships will pollute your perspective. See, Solomon knew that he wasn't supposed to worship these other gods, and yet, the wrong relationships in his life made him feel like he could worship both God and these other gods. And the issue with that is that Ashtoreth and Moloch were detestable to Yahweh, the Israelite God, the God that we serve. And they were detestable specifically in the way that you worship them. Because to worship the God of Ashtoreth, the God known as Ashtoreth, was to do that through temple prostitution. In other words, this was a, a highly sexually charged uh, relationship with this God. And, 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 and what it led to was, uh, what was oppression of people. It led to, uh, sex trafficking. It led to all kinds of issues in their relationships, which is what happens every time we put sex on a pedestal and we make sex our God. And then to worship Moloch, uh, it, the, the way that you worship them was through child sacrifices, through murdering your children. And you did that in order to receive a blessing on the rest of your life. And so people would lay their children on an altar and, and burn them up. And this was detestable to God. In fact, God specifically called his people to be intolerant of these behaviors among them. And Solomon, though, not only tolerated them in his country, he participated. He got all, he got all confused in his purpose. He got all confused in his mind and in his heart about uh, the uh, proper perspective on who God was. And how many of us today are pursuing relationships that are filling us with ideologies that are contrary to God's best for our lives? We live in a culture that is not slowly shifting away from God. I think we are rapidly shifting away from God's word, holding it up as truth, believing everything that it says. And instead, culture is justifying sin and bending the truth. In fact, the churches have even been caught up in it. You can find a church that will affirm any desire or passion that you have in your heart nowadays. It's a matter of just Googling it and you will find someone who is willing to compromise God's word. But here's 
here's what I need to tell you. At Simple Church, we love all people no matter what. You're welcome here. You're welcome to worship with us. But you need to know that God's word doesn't change. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's not changing his mind about what he has called sin in his word. Sin will always be sin. And we will always love you, but we are always going to love you enough to tell you the truth about sin. So watch what happens to Solomon, though. The wrong relationships led to a polluted perspective where he believed he could serve God and Ashtoreth and Moloch. And as a result, it cost him dearly. First Kings 11 verse nine, the Lord was very angry with Solomon for his heart had turned away from the Lord, the God of Israel, who had appeared to him twice. Think about that. He encountered God twice and he still was able to walk away. Verse 11 says, so now the Lord said to him, since you have not kept my covenant and have disobeyed my decrees, I will surely tear the kingdom away from you and give it to one of your servants. It cost Solomon his legacy to surround himself with the wrong relationships. Listen guys, the people you surround yourself with will catapult you further and faster along God's path for your life or they'll cause you to drift further and further away from it. The choice is yours, and this is a significant one. Who will you allow to have a voice in your life? Let's pray. Father, today I pray that you would give us wisdom around the relationships that we have in our lives, specifically uh, the people that we choose to surround ourselves with. And I pray this week, God, that you would give us boldness, boldness to step into new relationships, to identify, Lord, I need help in this area of my life. I need to have somebody in my life that can speak to my marriage, somebody that's willing to speak to my finance, uh, willing to speak to my attitude, to speak to how I'm living my life, to, to step boldly into those, to invite somebody to coffee that you've never sat with before. Lord, I pray that you would help them identify the right relationships. And I pray that you give us the courage to step out of the wrong relationships, those toxic relationships, Lord, that are polluting us and uh, preying on our passions and leading us further and further away from you. Now, in this moment of prayer, there are those of you that are here today that, that you've got God-given potential in your life. And I believe that, that there is a desire for that within you to tap into that. But in order to tap into the God-given potential that you have, the most important relationship you need to have isn't with me, and it's not with this local church or anybody in it. It's a relationship with Jesus. And today, I'm gonna do what I've done every Sunday for eight years, I'm gonna invite you into that relationship. See, God wants to know you and he wants to know you intimately. He's not mad about anything that you've done. Maybe you've been told that God hates you, that God can never love you, that God will never forgive you, that you've done an unforgivable sin, an unpardonable thing, and that's just a lie. God loves you with an everlasting love. And today, if you're ready to begin a relationship with him, all you need to do is pray a simple prayer of faith. And it goes like this. Pray with me right now if you're ready to take that step. Say, Jesus, I need you. Fill me with your spirit. Forgive me of my sins. Make me brand new. And show me how to live for you and to tell other people about you. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. 
And if you prayed that prayer today, know that heaven's having a party. Simple Church is celebrating with you. We're so proud of you. We are excited to become part of your spiritual family. And we would ask that, man, if that's your decision, you said yes to Jesus today, that you would make the second best decision you can make right now in this moment. And that is to fill out a connect card. The way you do that in this digital environment is if you're in the online campus, there's a button that says connect card. If you're anywhere else, there's a link in the description of the video or the podcast. Click that, fill that out. Let us know you said yes to Jesus. We would love to celebrate with you. We'd love to make sure you get a Bible if you need one. We'd also like to help you understand what your next steps are now that you've said yes to Jesus and how you can be part of our church going forward. So please take a moment to do that. Uh, There there are uh, very easy ways to do that I've just described. Amen, everybody? All right, well, as we wrap up our time today, know that that this series is gonna continue. We've got one more week of talking about Solomon next week. Uh, but, but today, today I feel like was a super influential message, it's a lot to learn about our relationships. I would ask that you would share this content on your Facebook, share it on your social media, maybe text somebody a link and say, hey, check out this message. I think it's really important for you. Uh, but make sure you are part of spreading, uh, spreading the word this week. Amen. Uh, now, as we wrap up, here is your opportunity to give. If you're a guest with us, you're under no obligation to give. We're just really glad that you're with us today. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, For the rest of you, the Lord has spoken to your heart about giving, whether that's of your tithes or an offering uh, or or a special gift towards the building fund. Thank you so much. Follow that leading. We thank you for your faithfulness in each one of those areas uh, and uh, pray that God blesses you as you do. And the ways to do that are all here on the screen. You can do it through snail mail, text. You can use our app. You can use our website. Uh, to to give. So thank you for doing that. One last ask I have for all of you is that if you are taking next steps and you're following Jesus and, 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 and maybe there's a calling on your life to do something new and you've been taking those steps and God has been blessing that, I, I want to hear that. So if you'll click on the digital connect card, you, there's a button there that says share your story. If you do that, that comes directly to me. I would love to celebrate with you and hear what God is doing in your life. So take a moment to share that with me. Listen, everybody, we'll see you back right here next Sunday as we wrap up this series called King Solomon. God bless you. Love you much.